This is All India Radio. In the weekly program Current Affairs, now we bring you a discussion on good governance, 100 days of NDA to government. The participants are A.K. Bhattacharya, economic analyst, and Shekhar Ayer, political analyst, and Siddharth Singh, journalist, who initiates and moderates the discussion. The second term of the National Democratic Alliance government, headed by the Prime Minister Narendra Modi, has just completed 100 days. We have seen that the focus of the government in the last 100 days has been in terms of legislation, ease of business, and they have also taken measures in terms of covering all aspects of the Indian economy and uh, whether it is banking or it is to do with taxation or it is to do with pushing or giving a boost to the Indian economy. Mr. Bhattacharya, if I could start by asking you, how do you see the steps or the way the government has conducted in terms in the economic sphere in last 100 days? Well, I think it will be fair to say that uh, the government soon after it was formed was engulfed uh, with some bad economic news. Within two days of its formation, the January to March GDP data came out uh, which showed that uh, the Indian economy grew by only 5.8% compared to 6.8% for the full financial year. Now, by the time it completed 100 days, the data for economic growth for the first quarter of 2019-20, which is April to June, came out, which came even lower at 5%. So, if you take these two data points, it actually summarizes the kind of economic policy challenges that this government was beset with right from its start. And I would say, therefore, the 100 days of Mr. Modi's second term as Prime Minister has seen a raft of reactive policies. Critics will obviously say that uh, they became reactive policies because the government was probably little slow in responding and anticipating this slowdown. And therefore, all the responses that you saw, whether it is in the form of the budget or whether it is in the form of the economic policy packages that were announced, uh, they all were aimed at responding to impending economic slowdown. And some would say the slowdown was already there. So I think if you look at the budget, uh, the budget talked about how the economy should be raised to a higher growth trajectory. It talked about uh, liberalizing foreign direct investment. Uh, It talked about cleaning up uh, the GST regime. It talked about uh, allowing the government access to sovereign borrowing from international markets, a move that probably uh, got buried under the carpet a little later because of its, its inherent problems. So, on the whole, I would say that the government uh, has responded to the economic slowdown challenges, but it has been reactive because of its very nature. The automotive sector came in for a special dose of policy packages. You talked about uh, how the BS4 cars, which were feared that will not be allowed to be used after 2020, uh, they were allowed to be used till the time of their the registration, which is 10 years for petrol cars and 15 years for diesel cars. You had the promise of a scrappage policy, which was somewhat similar to what the U.S. did by saying that those who come for scrapping their old cars will get some incentive to scrap them and get some incentive by which they can buy more cars. The depreciation policy for automotive sales and purchases, that was increased from 15% to 30% and probably going forward you will see some rise in the commercial vehicle sales. So if you look at the entire package of measures, they were aimed at this single task of how to revive economic growth. 
Of course, there was also a raft of, of legislative proposals, whether it is a question of uh, strengthening the airport economic regulation or whether it was a question of amending the company's law. Some of the provisions became controversial also, particularly the corporate responsibility provisions where uh, the government came forward and made an announcement of decriminalizing the CSR obligations. So I think on the whole, 100 days were full of action on the economic policy front, but largely influenced by the fact that the Indian economy is going through a rough patch and steps needed to be taken to bring it out of the current situation. Moving away from that, uh, Mr. Ayer, if I could uh, bring you to certain specific issues that the government brought about. Basically, there was a lot of uh, changes that it made in the income tax regime, basically trying to reduce the human interface, as well as the department also trying to get into a scenario where there is not too much of high-handedness from its officials while dealing with the taxpayers. How do you see that? In fact, Finance Minister Nirmalaji has been particularly visiting different parts of the country and addressing tax offices to make them alive to this constant charge of uh, quote-unquote tax terrorism, where a number of business leaders have complained of the manner in which the, some tax officials have gone about trying to meet their targets. So we have seen uh, Mr. Sitaramanji could has been going to different places, talking to the industry leaders, talking to various chambers of commerce, and also talking to those people, the revenue side officials, to tell them that these are very difficult times. Of course, the targets will have to be met, but they should not be met in a manner where which is seen as very coercive, particularly at this time. I think that's a very positive step. I think the most important point uh, I would like to emphasize is the, the manner in which the government has responded to the situation. You know, it is fortunately not an ostrich-like approach because I think even after the presentation of the budget, which did not uh, give the kind of desired response which the government wanted, Soon after that, we have seen immediately the finance ministry and the finance minister going into a, a drive and talking to sector-wise, you know, people because various sectors have various problems. Of course, overall, the manufacturing sector has been not doing well at all. But then there are specific problems inherent to the auto sector. So we have seen a lot of interaction with the auto sector. There are also discussions with other sectors, particularly for mining. We have seen how the FDI has been announced. So that, and also the third party element has been brought in where you can also contract to others. And then some changes have been made for us to, to give a boost to this even single brand retail. And particularly some relaxation in those criteria for where you have to outsource your procurement. I think overall one gets the feeling that the government is acutely conscious of the present uh, scenario and is doing its best to address Wherever the problem is, because it's basically the economy is actually ailing. But the person is, ailing person can be cured, you know, can definitely do well. But needs to be addressed in a sector wise, because at a time like this, the sectors that are already are on the, you know, already picked up, they need further impetus, further boost. And those who are, you know, yet to stand up, they need a bigger stimulus, bigger package. Because I think this government doesn't want to get to the trap which the UPA government went through. Because you remember a period when there were repeated doses of stimulus, but which did not give the desired result. So therefore, the stimulus should have a particular outcome. Because government also cannot sustain a huge revenue loss. Because that is the reason why just uh, you know on the eve of GST National Council meeting in Goa, Several suggestions have come how the GST slabs can be a little more tweaked to mm. boost growth. But at the same time, 
those must eventually lead to the desired results. So that's the way I think things are looking forward now. Mr. Bhattacharya, if I can bring you to three important tax changes or proposals which the government brought in. One was an amnesty scheme for central excise as well as service tax, the money which is uh, in basically logged in and about 4 lakh crores is logged in in litigation. The second was that we will reduce the human interface, any notice or anything which we want from the taxpayer, any information, we will do it through a e-notice. There'll be a, it won't be a reducing the human interface basically. And so how do you see these steps? Well, I think given the situation of the economy, they are welcome steps because for a variety of reasons, which we can go into in detail, what has happened is that one level, you are seeing a slowdown in tax collections also. You will recall that the first four months of the current financial year, the total gross tax revenue growth has only been around 6.6% and compare that with the target that has been kept at 18%. Now, clearly, the 18% gross tax revenue growth target looks a little difficult to reach and if you do not reach that, then you will have a problem of either cutting expenditure or not meeting a fiscal deficit. So it is like between the Scylla and the Charybdis. So the question that the government therefore was faced with was how to make the taxation, the life of a taxpayer and the life and the work of a tax collector little more easy. So I look at both these steps as making the taxpayers as well as the tax collector's life more easy. It will definitely mean that the tax system becomes more friendly. But I think the larger challenge on the taxation front is huge because as I said that uh, what we have done so far in the first four months is only 6.6% achievement and the task is to grow by 18%. And going forward, the remaining eight months, the tax collection have to grow by 22%. Now that is something that the Indian government has not achieved in the last eight years. So it's something that the government is fully seized off and which is why they said that the government is trying to simplify the GST norms, simplify the GST glitches by releasing the payments so that the economic activities can get a pickup. But as I said that both the steps that you mentioned are aimed at making the taxpayer and the tax collectors work and life a little more easy. Mr. Ayer, uh, if I continue with the tax reforms, another big step that we saw was that government acting very heavily, taking very bold step in terms of taking action against senior tax officials and you know, basically giving them a, asking them to leave the government. So how do you see that bring act of government basically to tackle corruption in the taxation system? See, we have uh, ever since uh, Prime Minister Modi took office in 2014, and uh, in the last five years, as well as in the beginning of the second term, one thing that has come clear is whether it is a crackdown on black money, whether it is a crackdown on evasion of uh, taxes, the government is very firm that uh, nobody should escape the law. So this has given rise to a situation where the tax enforcement machinery is on an overdrive. So also other agencies like the Enforcement Directorate or your Revenue Intelligence, or there is a lot of, I would say, a proactive mode. And this has also given rise to what I mentioned earlier, to the complaints of a coerciveness and also the talk of, you know, that we are being squeezed at a time when the growth figures are not impressive. And the frequent complaint was, look, you are trying to catch people who are evading. 
But what about those very agencies which are supposed to be catching people? What about the ethics of these agencies? What is the ethical quotient of these agencies? So this has given rise to a lot of thinking in the highest echelons of the government, particularly right at the Prime Minister's office, which was constantly receiving complaints about a section of officials who were themselves indulging in a predatory practice. I think this was taken up in a very serious way and against whom I think there were a lot of complaints, those though they were identified and I think to begin with they were asked to take retirement. But that has not shielded them from subsequent cases which have been now registered because this is to send a signal and some of these officers at the rank of chief commissioners, mm. additional commissioners, I think this is a very strong message that because normally what has happened either to a CBA invariably is known to you know prosecute people or assistant commissioners rank or even like lawyer but this time the message is right at the top you know we can crack down this was necessary to instill confidence among the business community among the industry because the feeling was look we are in a hapless situation we have to comply we have to meet the requirements of the GST as well as other rules that have come into place but at the same time what about these people because this was a situation when you had sales tax you see sales tax inspectors developed notoriety in many states and that exactly their overdrive did not improve in the revenue collections going up but in today's scenario where the government is also serious that the revenue must the revenue department must you know account for the target performance but at the same time you need to protect the honest taxpayer, you also need to create incentive for honest taxpayer. So these both are necessary and that can only be possible if the government sends out the message that it will not tolerate dishonesty, even among its system. That is very necessary because otherwise the feeling would go, okay, at the top you have a very honest initiative, but right down the system, the things are the same, which is a very unfortunate message in a situation like this. Therefore, I think the big message is, look, and most of these complaints have been received anonymously and action has been and before these officers were asked to go a lot of due deliberation was done because each of these officers had some of them had very serious complaints including sexual misconduct so i think this is a very bold serious step taken by the government so moving away from taxation we've also seen the drive against old redundant old laws so again government brought in an amendment and repealed about 58 old laws as well and besides this, they also brought in a lot of important bills, amendments to insolvency, bankruptcy code, also to the Companies Act. So, Mr. Bhattacharya, how do you see these both helping think, the Indian economy? Uh, I think the redundancy of laws is a problem that has been dealt with by this government uh, quite heroically. If you look at the first five years of the government, National Democratic Alliance, I, if I'm not mistaken, almost about 500 redundant laws uh, were uh, repealed, but largely because uh, of the work that was done by uh, its former Niti Aayog member and currently chairman of the Prime Minister's Economic Advisory Council, Dr. Bibek Debroy. So he had done some basic work on laws that are on the statute book but are no longer relevant. So I think in different batches, more than 500 such laws were done away with. And now we see the same trend continuing because, you know, governance standards are maintained not just by framing new laws, but also by extinguishing laws that no longer remain relevant. So I think that's the importance and relevance of what the government has done by doing away with these 58 uh, redundant laws. But along with that, as you rightly pointed out, the government also have come out with a large number of changes in the company's law. They pertain to the management of uh, companies. They pertain to what kind of uh, governance norms should be in place in, in the boards. 
they said there is also slightly problematic uh, law on corporate social responsibility uh, which the government promptly realized and made amends to that there was also a necessary uh, amendment uh, in the insolvency bankruptcy law by which uh, early resolution of stressed assets could be ensured so my sense is that uh, both on the legal front this government in the first session of parliament of the new lok sabha i think it is not just passed a record number of new laws but it has actually addressed some of the key gaps in legal gaps and more importantly it has addressed the one major lacuna which is if a law has been amended in a manner that has caused some unnecessary hardships or has a potential of causing some hardships the government has been quick in coming back and responding with an amendment even though a law was passed take the csr laws and the companies act i think it is important to recognize that uh, a government has to be responsive uh, take the case of a law that was to be introduced and was introduced for the surcharge on the foreign portfolio investors yes. so critics will say that why was such a law brought in but uh, due credit must also go to a government that recognizes the problem and quickly amends it so that the pain that the uh, poor law can cause is immediately addressed uh, something that uh, on the tax of officers front that uh, my colleague mr ayer had talked about please remember that uh, increasingly the the tax assessment and the tax payers interface is being digitized one of the announcements uh, which uh, finance minister nirmala sitaraman made uh, was with regard to the from 8th of september or so i think a new regime was in place wherein no tax payer will have to deal with a tax assessing officer knowing with the identities known to each other in a sense it will be a faceless kind of an interaction to using technology so i think these are look very small moves but i think it helps these moves help in creating an environment uh, where you have greater faith in the system and better incentives for doing what you need to do mr ayer uh, moving on another area of concern has been the nbfcs as well as the issues concerning the msmes because uh, they are supposed to be very important engines of growth so how do you think the steps that government has taken in last uh, 100 days you think they would go and uh, bring in some kind of stimulus in both these uh... we have seen that big uh, announcement about recapitalizing the banks which is a very big uh, measure that has been it was on the pipeline but finally a figure has been committed i think that's a very big thing and besides instructions have not gone out to that special care has to be taken of these small and medium enterprises and that message has to go down to the regulatory agencies as well as the credit rating agencies as well as those who are actually lending the money because the whole problem today is it's a situation where you know the, there are times when banks are not so eager to lend because of the current kind of a monitoring system where that the money doesn't go to some of you know do not add to the npas so that has somewhat disincentivized many bank officials who are little reluctant to or they make the scrutiny little more even more harsher so that is one aspect the other aspect is some of these medium enterprises are also not willing to avail of what is the facility because they fear that let's wait for some more time let the market stabilize 
So there is this, the government intention is to end this waiting game because these non-banking financial institutions must also adhere to certain principles but at the same time they must also be aware of the risks. But uh, that's why the constant emphasis from the government side is that any genuine mistake made in assessment will not be treated as a criminal offence because that message is to the bank officials who over a period of time or even these uh, non-banking uh, financial companies, the authorities there also have become too cautious. Sometimes too much of caution has also resulted in a kind of a stalemate. I believe that this will come to an end very soon because once the message from the government is very clear that Whatever that is needed to keep the engine of growth on a higher level of acceleration should be achieved very fast. That should be no further delay. I think this message, as it goes across through the system, one can see that definitely there will be a positive result. Mr. Bhattacharya, we also saw government also withdrawing uh, the angel tax on startups, so which was an issue hanging for a long time. So you think that will also boost the presence of startups in India? I think removing that angel tax provision uh, on startups was a step that was waiting to be taken because uh, it was in conflict with the very spirit of non-discretionary taxation where the taxman will determine that what is the valuation that one gives to its capital for a startup. So I think if this tax had been allowed to continue, I would imagine that the incentive for startups would have been far less. Not that uh, startups are a very large portion of the Indian economy. They are still a very small segment. But uh, startups are catching up. Uh, as you know, Delhi and the NCR region has become the biggest zone of the startup ecosystem in the country. So, therefore, the decision on angel tax is a good decision. It will encourage more people to come up. If you permit me, I will say a little more on the NBFC sector. What we are seeing in the NBFC sector is that uh, since they account for almost a fourth of the country's credit availability, the NBFC sector had been kind of, you know, its activity had been frozen because in the wake of the ILFS sector's problem. Now, the ILFS problem, as we can see from what has been decided in the last few weeks, is that almost 50% of its around 97, 98,000 crore of assets are going to come out of the system in a sense that those will have found bias. So if 50% of 97,000 crore or something like, you know, almost 45,000 crore, that money comes out unstuck and resolved, I would imagine that a big cause for concern for the NBFC sector will have been taken care of. So I think we need to recognize that the NVFC sector, which uh, had taken up the responsibility of the lending activities for the last few years, when the banking sector was crippled because of its non-performing assets problem, if that NVFC sector can come back and trust and faith in the NVFC sector can be revived, I would say that the Indian economy, which needs more economic activities and more financial support of a prudent nature probably will get some fillip. Along with that, a major thing that has happened in the financial sector is in the in the public sector banking space, which is the merger of uh, about 10 banks into four banks. Now, the merger of so many public sector banks into four banks uh, in one go 
may have created a kind of a disruptive effect for the system. But going forward, you will see in the country fewer banks, fewer public sector banks, but given the experience that you have seen of Bank of Baroda, which merged in itself, Vijaya Bank and Dena Bank, you will see that these banks, the merged banks, fewer banks, only 12 banks which will be operating in the public sector space, probably will be in a better position to tackle the stressed asset problem. Of course, you will need uh, more astute management skills. You will need merger of uh, information technology backbone for these schemes. And also, there will be some sort of redundancy in some key positions. But I think those are all, you know, effects that uh, can be handled because if you see stronger banks, if you see uh, banks that have synergies, take for example the Indian Bank which now has got United Bank of India into itself and it's a United Bank of India has got great you know current account and savings accounts uh, benefits and Indian Bank did not have that benefit. So there's a merger so therefore Indian Bank will have the advantage of UBI's CASA accounts and Indian Bank will be able to probably take advantage of that and grow more. So it requires good adept management but it is an opportunity for the public sector banking sector to come out of a situation which has been rather difficult. A brief comment on the timing. A lot of people are questioning the timing of this amalgamation. Well, I think it could be argued that you know this the 10 banks being merged into four different uh, groups could have been done in a phased manner. But I think what has happened is that the banks which are slightly politically sensitive have been kept out of it. Take Bank of Maharashtra or take Punjab and Sindh Bank or take uh, the Yuko Bank. So those banks have been left out. Even Indian uh, Overseas Bank. Indian Overseas Bank, absolutely. In Chennai. Yeah, in Chennai. So banks which could be politically sensitive have been left out. So in a sense it, is, it speaks of assured political management also. Yes, if they had been phased out a bit and staggered, probably it would have been easier to handle. But I think government uh, as the owner, as a chief shareholder, is within its rights to decide at how it wants to merge them. And as long as the employees uh, are okay, as long as it can manage this disruption of sorts, I would say that let us see, wait and watch and see. Mr. Ayer, coming back to you, a brief comment on government has set up a committee for identifying infrastructure pipeline projects for in the infrastructure sector and they've set up a committee and also another key initiative by the government to ensure that all the outstanding payments by the government as well as the public sector undertakings are made. So how do you see that initiative? Mr. Siddharth, you have raised a very, very important aspect of this decisions of these last 100 days. Because government has realized that it has to step in to ensure that the flow of money comes into the system. And the best way of doing is to, you know, make a big ticket announcement. And we have seen the government has committed 100 lakh crore of investment on infrastructure that can cover from airports to new railway lines to improvement of ports and other infrastructures. I think that's a very significant decision. The committee has been set up, as you just mentioned. And I can see a sense of urgency, you know, to quickly identify these areas because the industry has been saying, look, we are waiting for the specifics. And that is definitely going to boost your sectors like cement 
and it will have a cascading effect because once you undertake, you know, and over a period of time when this 100 lakh crore of money comes into circulation and you mentioned about the pendency of bills of many contracts, you know, many projects executed because this is a problem in the highway sector where a lot of people are feeling that some clearances have to be done and they are getting delayed. So therefore I can see that government is seized of the problem. I think that's very important. It understands the magnitude of the, the challenge before it. So that perhaps is the gives us a lot of us hope that uh, we soon we can see that these steps and these decisions, you know, finally get to the implementation stage and there is a lot of uh, relief for the different sections. So as uh, both of you basically maintain that government has been reacting to the evolving situation and we hope as the finance minister also assured that uh, they will take all steps which are required to bring back Indian economy on a faster growth trajectory. So we hope that the steps already taken and whatever is needed in future will put back India onto a faster growth trajectory. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. You are listening to a discussion on good governance, 100 days of NDA to government. The participants were A.K. Bhattacharya, economic analyst, and Shekhar Ayer, political analyst, and Siddharth Singh, journalist, who initiated and moderated the discussion. This program was produced and presented by the New Services Division of All India Radio. You can also listen to this program on our website, newsonair.com. You may email your opinion about this program at airnstalks at gmail.com. 